Welcome to the Virtual CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping service-based businesses achieve success. Are you a business owner interested in learning how to scale your business? Has your business reached over $1 million in annual revenue? Then this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Um, we are very excited about today's guest. Um, one of the most common questions we get from both our clients, and we've actually got a couple emails in our inbox about what to do a topic on, is what's going on in the industry? What are you guys seeing in the industry? And I think there's no one better to talk about this subject than um, Tom Beck from Soda. Um, Soda does a lot of research in this area, and they just actually did their 2020 research, so we're going to dive into that. And then he's also done some um, pricing models as well and pricing studies, so there's going to be a lot of um, interesting industry-specific knowledge that I know all of our listeners are um, really excited for. So, Tom, before we get down that path, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and talk a little bit about Soda? Yeah, sure thing. Well, thanks, thanks guys, for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm Tom Beck, uh, I'm, and I'm calling in here from Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, and I'm executive director at Soda. Uh, Soda is a global member-based organization for founders and owners, um, primarily of, of digital you know, digital-centric agencies, digital marketing agencies, digital product design studios, content production companies. Uh, we've been around since 2007. Uh, you know, in our, in our purpose, our primary mission is to help help our members, the leadership teams, become a little bit more connected, a little smarter uh, about running their business. Uh, and our membership spans the globe, so we have around 100 member agencies in 20 countries. And so the community can really kind of share knowledge from both a, a regional perspective, but also a, a kind of agency-focused perspective. And so that's that's what we're up to. And as Jamie mentioned, you know, one one part of our program, you know, over the course of the year is to do a number of benchmarking studies uh, on various aspects of the agency business. And I'm excited to be here with you guys today to talk about some of that stuff. Sounds great. Hey, Tom, real quick, what would you say the range from your your average client that you're dealing with there that's in soda would it be from zero dollars to a hundred thousand or what, what, what's the yeah. what's the what's the revenue range yeah so soda's primarily i would call small and mid-sized agencies um you know so the bulk like 80 percent of our members would be in the you know we'll say five to five to ten to fifteen million uh in in u.s revenue net revenue uh, and then we have, you know, we have a good handful of agencies smaller than 5 million. And then we've got sort of a long tail of agencies who are 20, 30, 50, you know, we've even got a couple hundred million dollar agencies in Soda. But those are, those are rare and they primarily, those have been members for many years and they've grown their businesses, you know, in, through, through acquisition and some other ways. But yeah, the, the sweet spot for Soda is, you know, around 10 million in, in U.S. revenue. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I will tell you, Tom, this is like the first time I've ever seen without a beanie on right now, you know, and I'm so disappointed. Your, hair, your hair's done. You look nice. Jody like, doesn't understand how cold it is here in Michigan. Lost. You know, you got to maintain, maintain the street cred. So I needed to wear the beanie, but I told I told you I'd clean up for today's session. I, I so. do appreciate that for sure. You should have told the same to Jody. Unfortunately, we didn't. So. Yeah, and, and so both Jody and I have been to to soda events and i definitely want to plug them and they're, they're amazing i know it's been a little bit different with all the COVID stuff going on but i know we we met down there and we've been to a couple and awesome events great information that's passed and i know a lot of times this research that we're going to talk about today is reviewed at those events and would definitely recommend any of our listeners once things get back up to normal um attend an event because it, it really is helpful and there's a lot to you can get a lot out of it 
Yeah, just kind of curious. I know it's, it's an invitation only type of, uh, yeah. but do, do you guys have, do you guys just have events that are available to really the open public or is everything very closed when it comes to your events? Yeah, most of them, most of them are closed. I mean, it is the, the, the purpose of the community is really internal facing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so most of the programming and the work we do is, is specifically within the membership. Um, but we do we do do a few public events, and we certainly we do one bigger one called the Soda Academy, uh, which uh, is basically track you know track based content across ten ten or so agency disciplines, you know so technology, strategy, operations, uh, even uh, agency leadership, sales and marketing, et cetera. And so you know we're we're hopeful that in 2022 we'll be able to bring that event back. We're ne we're definitely not going to try it for 2021. It's a bigger undertaking for us, and I think things will be uncertain for a long enough portion of this year. But 2022 we should be back with with the Soda Academy, and that could be a good opportunity for listeners on this call who you know aren't Soda members but might want to um, you know tap into some of this peer network for for you know a great few days of knowledge exchange. Perfect. Yeah, no, perfect. Yeah, love it. Great. So let's dive in. So I, again, mm -hmm. I, I don't want you reading numbers to us because um, even as accountants, we don't want to listen to that. But let's give us some information. Um, give yeah. us uh, what what are some of the trends you're seeing? Some what are some of the most exciting things you're seeing or what's what's just the commonalities that you found? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll talk a little bit about our tracking study that we did last year um, in, in 2020. We um, you know, we do an annual digital outlook study, um, and we had actually wrapped that one up in around December of 2019 uh, as an outlook for 2020. Uh, and then as, as, as COVID started to, to play out, mm -hmm. we, we thought, you know, look, this is going to be interesting just to, to do a tracking study this year at two or three points during the year to see how agency leaders are actually navigating the year, what their performance is looking like, what are some of the things they're doing operationally. Uh, to, to wrestle with the uncertainty or maybe other pressures they have on their business. So we ended up fielding three studies, uh, one at the end of March, um, March to the first week in April. So kind of right at the beginning uh, of, of when quarantines were rolling out. Um, we did another one right at the end of Q2, so late June into the first week in July. And then we did the last tracking study um, you know, in late Q4, uh, wrapping up in December 15th or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that what's interesting, a couple takeaways from- That was ingenious, you know, by the way. That great timing, <laughs> great thought, <laughs> way to act. <laughs> It was awesome. Yeah. It, well, thank, yeah. So, <laughs> thanks. And it was, you know, it's a lot of the credit goes to the community here too, because, you know, we are always looking for ways that we can share some things that we're doing in our business that might be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we probed essentially three areas. It would be kind of the general outlook and optimism for the year from a financial performance perspective. Um, and piece two was, was around, um, kind of operational uh, changes or operational decisions people were making to wrestle with the year. Um, it, you know, and then the third area would be kind of outlook then into as, as we wrap up this year, outlook coming into 2021. Um, I guess we'll share just a couple top level things. You know, I think in, in one hand, you know, 2020 was not as bad of a year as many people imagined it was going to be in March, mm -hmm. certainly. Yep. So we saw, you know, confidence in the outlook for the year just absolutely crater. You know, we came into the year that, you know, about 80% of, you know, 
people in our studies said they were, you know, optimistic about 2020 and, and not and optimistic that it would be better financial performance in 2019. Um, you know, that number dropped to something like 30% by the end of March, you know. So people were very uncertain. I'm surprised it's um, that high, actually. I know. <laughs> I, know. Yeah. I know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There's always in these studies, you know, on both sides of the equation, you're like, who are this 30% who are actually yeah. sitting here going like, yeah, this is going to be a great year. The healthcare industry. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> serving healthcare companies. It's true. We do have, definitely in our community, we have a good chunk of them who do a lot of work in high tech. You know, so they work with Apple and they work with Facebook and they work with YouTube. And I know that a lot of those businesses remained competent, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but but what was what was interesting is I think as we went across the year, you saw that stabilize more. And, and certainly confidence never recovered to the levels that we would see. And even most of the members that I talked with who even ended up having a good year um, expressed that it was volatile and uncertain throughout the year. So they ended up in a good place, but at each kind of checkpoint along the year, they were going like, I just don't know. Like, I'm not certain, you know, we had a decent quarter, but I don't know if we'll have one next year. So that, you know, that changed a lot. And I give, but I give agencies a lot of credit for navigating the year. I mean, we saw people make quick decisions. Some, you know, they adjusted staff sizes very quickly, just even as a proactive measure which is, you know, terrible for people who lose their job, um, you know, but for business owners who are tasked with keeping a viable entity, you know, and making sure that their business thrives, you yep. know, these were smart, these were smart decisions. People protected their cash positions. Um, people aggressively went after PPP loans, you know, and I think in our studies, yep. we had 80 plus percent of respondents had received some level of PPP funding. Um, and I think that that was a big, you know, that was a big cushion. So a lot of credit goes to um, agencies, I think, for making quick moves to be nimble and, and you know, take, take the situation seriously. Um, you know, that decision-making revealed, or that revealed a lot of areas where agencies were softer than they thought they were, you know, so we asked a lot of questions around where they felt prepared to address a crisis like this and, and then where they ultimately thought they were, you know, weaker. You know, and there were some things like places like culture and or your ability to work remotely, you know, that was all easy for agencies, you know, they yeah. moved, they moved that so they were really confident in that. Um, interestingly, you know, from a financial perspective, you know, a lot of agencies were very worried about cash positions and they were very worried about um, um, financial visibility, just even their fu fundamental reporting metrics, like can we actually do, you know, can we do what we need to do to project where we think we're going to be. Right. And well, many still struggled with that. You know, those numbers actually improved over the year that people said, you know, we actually were better than we thought we would be. Um, but on the flip side, agencies were weaker than they thought they would be. And, um, you know, in executive level, you know, decision making long term, you know, they thought that they would knock out the decisions they needed to really quickly. And that became more of a labor. Um, sales and marketing, proactive sales and marketing, biz business development. Uh, was continued to be a big issue that agency said, like, we just aren't as prepared for a big contraction in revenue. Um, and, you know, things like knowledge management internally as an agency, you know, mm. we have people go or, you know, we get an aspect of how we work kind of cut off and they didn't feel as confident there. I think all three of those sound like they tie pretty closely to what you mentioned about staffing. Like, I think when you, yeah. a lot of times when you cut staffing, the owner's like, well, I can do our BD or like, you know, they're going to, they're going to step yeah. in and do different roles. And so some of those executive 
initiatives they have probably fell to the wayside because they're doing work they're not used to doing. So those those three totally. areas you mentioned all made sense to me because those are areas I could see and I have seen owners like step in when they need to and just like kind of leave those things to the side and say, okay, that'll happen in a year when we're a little bit better off. So that those make <laughs> Exactly. Well, and on the flip side, it's like those are areas that when things are going well, you don't tackle proactively, yeah. you know? And so mm -hmm. things like getting, you know, getting um, your your business development pipeline really cooking for a future, you know, that is that you don't know about yet. When people go, oh, you know, we're booked, we got projects for the next, you know, we're not constantly mm -hmm. investing in the project that we need to win six months from now or a year right. from now. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but same thing with things like knowledge management or getting your financial operations in order. Those are things you continue to kick off until, you know, put off into the future until you really start to feel pain there. So so do you think um, the silver lining there is people were able to kind of do a deep dive into their own business and, and really kind of figure out what the uh, where the holes are at and, and how to how to fix them, not only temporary, but long term? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, it, you know, it's, it's the silver lining of any kind of crisis like this is it forces you to look at aspects of your business that aren't performing, you know, or that, that are vulnerable um, you know, that are vulnerable to underperformance when crisis hits. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think the challenge for agency leaders is, is to continue to sustain that mentality, even once times get good again, right? Because right. that's, mm -hmm. especially in smaller businesses, it's, we all run really lean staffs, you know, and we're all, you know, we're certainly focused on the future as business leaders, but, you know, it's usually not the six month, the year future. It's a shorter term than that. So I think this was a good, a good lesson. It was also good just market pressure testing for agencies in terms of their positioning, their value, the service offering, the strength of their client portfolio, heck, even the diversity of their, you know, their client portfolio. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you guys know, um, you know, some of the agencies that were hit hardest were, ones that were overexposed to a particular client sector or just to one individual client. Right. You know, and again, we all know intuitively that over-concentration in one client or over-concentration in one sector uh, can be great when it's performing well and can be very efficient, um, but can be an Achilles heel when the, when the market turns. So again, yeah. it's kind of force people to really wow. like evaluate that and uh, just speaking from personal experience, you know, I used to run an agency for many years and, you know, we found ourselves in that position, you know, several times throughout my tenure and then lost big clients. And each time you come out of it a little smarter and you work, you know, you work a little harder to go, we need to get this balance right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we always say as leaders or owners, you have to eliminate risk, right? That's kind of like the owner's responsibility, right? To eliminate risk or hit the risk head on and figure out how to, how to solve it. And, you know, one thing we talk about is, you know, a lot is niching, niching your business. Yeah. And um, it's kind of a dual-edged sword there, right? Because if you niche your business in the wrong area and something like this happens, well, then, you're you're not in a, you're not in a good position. So you got to be able to pivot pretty quickly uh, with that right. niche. So I guess being careful on the niche is is the, uh, the 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 thing to think about. You know, for those that were in the leisure industry, you know, they really got hit hard. For those in the restaurant industry, also got hit hard. You know, but you know those in healthcare, like you're saying, excelled. You know, yeah, those, those in healthcare, in food, those in food in general. Yeah. Food in general, those in, in high tech in particular. So yep. it, is, it is the challenge because a niche, a niche strategy 
is is a good one typically but you just you have to be aware of the risks that you're taking and you know jody to your point it's when when a problem hits be more prepared you know to, to pivot or have a, have a plan and again i was just really impressed across you know the agency community that i work in to see people mm -hmm. address it you know i mean we had one agency member who's heavy travel and hospitality probably lost 80 percent of their revenue over a 12-week period wow. you know and then you know they over the next six to eight months you know they found ways to pivot the business and close the year out really pretty pretty strong you know and that's just a credit to i think the awesome the engine, yeah, you know the ingenuity in this business but you know, the other thing I wanted to mention just quickly is, is a interesting takeaway, I guess, from the year is, you know, guys, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but, you know, we really, from a financial performance perspective for 2020, I think we saw a broader spectrum of financial performance across the agency community than we would see in a typical year. Um, and, you know, that's not, that's not surprising. Uh, you know, there's the adage that, you know, all boats rise in the tide. So when the economy is, is, is strong, uh, most agencies, unless they have a fundamental problem in their business, you know, they're performing okay, right? Um, this year we saw it really, we saw, you know, the, the, the wheat separated from, you know, the chaff, so to speak. Uh, and what we ended up with in this scenario is about 30% of um, agencies in our study had really pretty strong financial years. So they had revenue, they had revenue growth, um, they had profit, they were profitable, and they saw improved margins. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, and they may, for some of them, it was their best year on record. For others, you know, maybe not their best year, but a strong year. But on the other end of the spectrum, we saw about 30% of agencies uh, come in at you know break even or a net loss for the year, uh, and that's a that's a significant number. You know we typically would not see that many in this kind of pool of of studies that we do that many agencies struggle. Right. And I think that it goes you know Jody to what we were just talking about. Some of it is just wrong place, wrong time. You know in terms of yep. your client concentration or your mix or whatever the case is. Um, but in other cases, I think that the heightened pressure from 2020, uh, it, it, it's, it exacerbates the many other trends and challenges that exist in the agency market right now. So, you know, we've got rate pressure, it gets more competitive every year, um, our costs continue to go up because, you know, great talent is, yep. is hard to find and costly. So those problems all existed in 2019. But because the economy was strong, a lot more agencies were able to skate by. Um, right. You know, you hit a you hit a tough year like we did in 2020, and I think it really reveals um, the agencies that are really well run, that have a really strong value proposition, and really have a strong place in the market. You know, and I, and think I, I would also add to that a strong yeah. cash position too. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Totally agree because there's short term you know, volatility that if you're not in a position, you know, you may come out of that great three, four, five months down the road, but if you're not in a position to weather that storm, it doesn't matter what your value proposition looks like in six months, right? Right, right, wrong. exactly. Yeah, 
Exactly. And even even as the cast position too, like I know we had some companies that had a really good cast position and they they were looking for ways to take advantage of this. Like, and again, not in a bad way, but in a good way. Like, yeah. okay, what, what are some actions I can take to make my business stronger when other businesses aren't doing so well? You know, is there some people I can hire that I wouldn't normally hire because of their talent levels high and they, you know, another company let them go. So I think that's a, another thing about having that cast position. It gives you the advantage to be able to make those decisions you wouldn't if you were struggling for cash. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think we saw within some of the, I isolated those that we we'll call them high performers for 2020, but kind of isolated those. And, you know, they were definitely more focused on things like talent and talent acquisition and, biz, and business development uh, than, than the rest of the general, you know, general community. Um, and I think that's part of just their, also their, their mentality of, you know, talent and great work is part of producing, you know, a really defensible niche, you know, in the agency world. That's not all of it, right? You can produce great work and run, you know, be run a terrible financial operation and you're not going to be there. Um, but I think if you're, if you're, if you've been focused on um, that differentiation and the caliber of your work and you've been smart enough from a financial perspective, you know, I think these agencies find themselves in a, you know, their outlook improved much more quickly over the course of the year. We're getting into stuff like coming into 2021, something like 85% of the top performers from 2020 were planning to hire uh, in the early part of this year, uh -huh. uh, whereas only maybe 50% or, or a little bit less of the general, you know, the general pool were, you know, were planning to hire. So they're also, even if they had a slightly down year by their standards, you know, they're, bouncing back more quickly. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Kind of pivoting a little bit. I mean, we talked about pricing a little bit and you, you mentioned you you don't just get done with a price study. Can you kind of give us a little hint on what's uh, what's in there without without ruining it for those that are in the soda community there? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so we've done, you know, for the audience, we've, we've done uh, a pricing and rate card study Oh gosh, I, you know, probably for eight years or something like like that. Um, in the in the typical rates card study, just goes roll by roll on the rate, you know, on the rate card, uh, and you know, and then we get across the community anywhere from seventy to eighty agencies to participate in this. Um, and when we when we wrapped it up this year, a couple of couple things that bubbled to the surface that I think were interesting. I mean, one is that. You know, this rate card study really shows, even from our community perspective, um, I think that the stagnation in rates in general um, across the agency landscape. So, you know, we saw something like, you know, from 2016 to we'll say the end of 2020, which is when this really wrapped up. So over the course of four years, like across the board, um, you know, rates had only grown by about 7%. You know, so four year, you know, four years, um, you know, seven percent in four years, not, you know, that's not significant, you know, right. not significant growth. You know, we also look at, you know, even things like, you know, over the last eighteen months, have you been able to raise your rates even across the board, or for say isolated, isolated roles or projects? You know, and again, we're only in a scenario where maybe thirty percent are saying, yeah, we even were able to raise our rates. Uh, and, you know, it's not that agencies continue to find ways to be profitable with how they run their projects, how they price their, you know, price their projects, um, you know, in smarter ways, all of that. But it just, it shows that any of the, 
um, any of the wiggle room, I guess, that we would have from a rate perspective, um, you know, and that gives us <laughs> that gives us a little more, you know, a little more ability to be sloppy in our operations. It's like mm -hmm. we're losing a little more of that every single year, mm -hmm. you know, and so you start just looking at it from a business perspective and going, I don't have any fluff or slop in my cost model, you know, in the way that I price these things. And it's like, so we need to, we need to run projects profitably. We need to estimate them in a smart way. We need to really um, control our cost structure, you know, relative to our revenue, do a great job about forecasting um, where our business is going to be. Uh, because all of, you know, all of that is, you know, is your, your margins are getting compressed every, every year. So, um, and I know that probably a lot of listeners on this call, you know, feel that way and, and, and they see that, but, you know, we definitely see that in the, in the data. So. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, and we always tell people that it's really not, it's not what you charge. It's really what you're realizing from what you charge. You know, you're talking about being sloppy. That's, that's where 90% of all of our losses come from really being sloppy from the, from your price to what you actually realize, you know, from the job. And, you know, it's, it's pretty sad because there's a lot, I mean, 10% is what we say, Hey, if, if you're billing $200,000 or $200 per hour, you want to at least realize 180, you know, $180 there. That's 10%. Yeah. So in, in between 180 and 200, not, not bad. You know, obviously yeah. you'd want that as small as you can. Right. But you know, that, that's in the safety zone, really anything more than that, that is that could be detrimental to the entire team and that's where you see the big margin drops it's not in your marketing it's not in your costs it's, it's not in your you know the co your administrative costs anything like that it's it's in your cost of sales there it's in that that yeah. difference between that standard and so when you're not seeing prices increase because you'd like to see prices increase every year because you're giving it your employees raises right so you would think yeah. they would kind of go one for one but if you're not seeing that and you're still giving your employees raises there, something's got to give there and it's got to be tightening up your margins, maybe automating things that you had people do, or maybe, you know, you know, more transparency with the project manager and the finances, or, you know, there's got to be something there that you've got to look for to improve that, that difference, that gap, because like you're saying, if prices are going to stay flat pretty much 7% is not flat, but, it's not, not like a roller coaster ride. It's not like a hockey no. stick, you know, curve. Um, you know, you got to make sure that you're tightening everything else up and really watching, you know, that, that difference there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's just, it, it applies more pressure um, to aspects of the business. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people who founded agencies that got into it because they love the creative work, they love the strategy work. And for many, many years, they're able to create really successful businesses you know, because they can, you know, they can sell enough work at their prices uh, and do good work. And that's great. Um, you know, that's not really enough. And, you know, that's not really yeah, right, enough. You, right. have to, you know, you have to have a smart enough production, finance and sales capability to really be profitable in this kind of, you know, to be consistently profitable in this, um, in this environment. You know, and again, the great news is many agencies are finding ways to do that. And the market's growing. I mean, there's lots of great opportunity out there. Um, you know, and at these rates, as you said, Jody, you know, at these rates, you can still make, you can still make a really good margin yep. if you're running your business well, if yep. you're running capacity well, um, if you're estimating and running projects effectively, 
um, you know, if you're controlling the, you know, the the cost of your SGNA staff relative, you know, to, to your right. billable staff and all of that. So there's still plenty of levers to do that. It's just that you really, really cannot ignore, you know, you really cannot ignore those or perform poorly in those areas because you're just going to find a declining business um, every year. I think unless you really are, um, you know, seeing seeing really strong growth every year that can somehow mask you know mask that. right right well it's tough yeah because you see you know obviously if your if your rates aren't going up very much then you're you're obviously paying your people more each year so you really have to be able to figure that out and that's where i think you know, the organization and all those things you just talked about it's it's more about okay what is our system for being efficient what is our system for hiring correctly what is our system for um having us be able to make quick decisions like we talked about very early on in the podcast. So those are all the really important things because again, if you're only able to increase your, your price 7% over four years, that's, I guarantee you're paying your people more than a 7% increase. Absolutely. Cost of inflation hits that. I guarantee yeah. you payroll. Yeah, has exactly. and, you know, the one thing I'll, one more thing I'll add, um, Jamie, and I know we're, we're probably getting close to time, but yeah. another facet of this, um, you know, and it comes out in the study, but I think agencies are experimenting a lot with their pricing models, um, you know, and so we looked across the soda portfolio and, you know, we're seeing a big mix of project based pricing, um, increment based pricing. And by that, I mean, you know, just deliverable based pricing or for agencies who work on kind of an agile model, sprint based pricing. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing a lot more time and materials day rate based pricing, kind of like how consultancies would work. Um, you know, more maintenance, uh, kind of, or more maintenance recurring services pricing. Uh, and so I think there's, in, in most of our agencies would use, you know, their revenues, a mix of two to three to four different pricing models. Right. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, some of that's just driven by the client, but some of that's also driven around ways to reduce risks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, certain kinds of clients and certain kinds of project types will have less risks with different kinds of pricing models. You know, so for instance, if, you know, if it's a project that you've done a million times and you're stamping them out and you can put some project-based pricing on that, that you're, you know, you know, you can deliver on, it's mm -hmm. great. You know, your margins can actually be higher there, you know, for projects that have greater uncertainty or more moving parts, you get into a time and materials day rate, you know, or, even some retainer and, you know, and you can create just a little bit more safety or a little less risk in um, what you end up realizing on that project. So I guess that's just the last thing I'd leave, leave you guys with on the pricing piece is I do see a lot more experimentation um, on pricing, you know, on pricing models and kind of project mm -hmm. structures is one of the ways to, to manage, to manage risk and, to try to be as profitable as, as they can in the current environment. Yeah, John, I'd say that reoccurring revenue is is huge. You know, the higher you can make that as a percentage of your overall revenue, the, the the less risk you have, right? Because if you miss that big project, it's easier to scale down to sixty percent of what you're doing versus mm -hmm. fifteen or twenty, um, and be profitable in the end. So I think the reoccurring revenue is the the huge one out of all of that. That yeah. for those companies that really focused on that prior to pandemic 
it really carried them through a lot. Um, yeah. For those that didn't, you know, maybe it's a great time to refocus and take a look at what what they can do now uh, for re, you know, to to create a reoccurring revenue model, at least with yeah. you know thirty percent or more of the of the overall revenue. Sure. Yeah, no, I could I couldn't agree more. And in terms of um, you know, just planning for um, you know, capacity planning. You know, certainly, oh, yeah. you know, that makes things like capacity planning more predictable, the more predictable and better you are at capacity planning, you know, typically the tighter your numbers are going to be from a, you know, from a project operations perspective. So this sure. is something I would encourage the listeners to, to look at in their own business if they're not doing it. Because um, I also think that the marketing buyers are getting more um, savvy in terms of understanding there's lots of different ways now to engage with agencies and creative services companies uh, and you know structuring a, um, a financial model uh, you know can be more favorable for the client too even mm-hmm. in certain scenarios oh it, well they they felt the yeah. same issues right if it's if it's predictable yeah then it's a lot easier to control on their end a lot easier the budget and the last thing is going to be cut versus something that could be a huge up you know during this you know, during the pandemic could have a huge expense, easier to cut, you know, versus something that's, you know, the continuous thing. So I think it's overall, it's, it's a win-win for both the client and the, and the agency, you know, for yeah. sure. Predictability is huge. I mean, like, as we know, when we build forecasts, like the more you can predict, the easier it is and knowing, knowing those costs are. And I think that what I really appreciate, what, appreciate about what you said there, Tom, is I think every, pricing can be different for different people, right? I think there's a couple of things you really have to stand behind it. You really have to believe in it and you really have to be able to sell it. So like, you know, I think how many events have all of us been to where that question comes up is what pricing is best. And I think the answer, it depends. It depends on who you are and what you stand for and what works best for you. So I think that, um, you know, there's great truth in that. And so as, as you predicted, Tom, we are right up against time here. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a quick, this flew by. it did fly by, always does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, give you a quick chance here, both you guys to give me any final thoughts. Uh, a lot of good information here. I know, um, I really enjoyed hearing it. And I'm sure our listeners will well, but any, as well, any uh, final thoughts out there? Tom, biggest thing I've got for you is the the, the beanie. You, you look. You know, you I, prom- I promise you. I promise you, Jody. Our one-on-one meetings, I'll definitely bring the beanie back. So. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. It sounds like we need to have you on again, Tom, and you can wear a beanie this time so everybody knows. <laughs> you guys will make me do that in July, though, and then I'll look even That's right. stupider than I typically am. So, <laughs> no, nothing, nothing on my end. I appreciate it. And, and um, you know, I know it's a, it's, it can be a tough business out there. But like I said, I've just been, um, you know, I've been so excited to see how creative leaders have adapted in the last year. And I think, I think it's, uh, we need to look at it as, as a good wake up call in our business that we're getting, you know, good signals from the market in our, in, you know, our external environment that we need to be serious about, um, you know, where we're taking our business and the pivots we might need to make. And, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate to get those signals and have a chance to move our business in the right direction. So, and I'm seeing lots of agencies doing that. And I think they'll come out on the other end of this much, much stronger and in a better position for say the next 10 years of, uh, you know, of, of their agency cycle. Yeah. I couldn't have said any better, Tom. That's uh, you hit it right on the nose. You know, there's a lot of opportunity that can be taken from this. And I think if, uh, for those having their eyes open, we'll, we'll definitely take advantage of it. Yeah, I think they always say, if you look at a business over any period of time and say what they're doing now, you can look back at any mistake or any problem and say, that's why we started doing this. And I think the pandemic is just another example of that. So um, definitely appreciate having both you guys on the show. A lot of good information here. All right, well, thanks. We'll see you soon. Yep. yep thank you. 
Enjoy this episode? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving virtual CPA success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.